Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. Today, you have Melissa Fradenberg in the Gross Point office and Melissa Joy. Welcome. Hi, Melissa. It's so good to be on a podcast with you. It's been a minute since we've done that. I know the Melissa and Melissa original podcasters back together again for an episode here. One of the biggest financial decisions that you will make besides your home purchase, purchasing a car. So that is what we are going to cover today and very excited to touch on this because I don't think it's talked about quite enough. And I think everybody has some anxiety when it comes to purchasing a vehicle and, and what to do. Well, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I need the guru on car buying, how to go to the lot, negotiate the best deal, we'll have to do another episode on that because I'm not that person. And Melissa, speak for yourself, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Truth be told, I am not a car person. Like I would, I, I usually defer that to my husband because I don't really care so much what I'm driving. I'm more of a practical car person, but the process is kind of intimidating. So, I think just giving some clarity, not again, advice on how to go in there and get the best deal necessarily, but how to, you know, think about that car buying process, I think would help a lot of people. I agree. It's one of the absolute biggest expenses that you input into your life, right? So after your house, your car or vehicles are likely one of your biggest costs and you make that decision multiple times, right? So you may live in the same home for 10, 20, 30 years, but in your vehicles, you're going to be replacing over time and you have other family members that may need to drive and things like that. So this can really, you know, making good decisions is going to really help you in your personal finances. And if you're messing up on your car buying decisions, it could really harm you. And it could be really a big portion of why you can't get ahead when it comes to money. So I see that so many times, but I realize we don't talk about that enough. It's This is probably our first episode talking about such a big cost in your financial life. Absolutely. And as we always try to get people to be confident in their financial decisions through listening to this podcast, what are some things to consider when you're needing a new car? Right. Well, I'll start with a story because I think car buying is deeply personal. Like when I talk to people, we're doing their retirement planning or just understanding their financial life. I like to like start with a blank slate and tell me like, how do you guys think about cars? Because it is different for everybody. So in my case, I've always prided myself in um, once I was able to afford it, I started to buy new cars, which you know may be an initial ding on how you think about me because some people, you know, like to buy the newer used cars so that you get an initial discount on your sticker price. But I always would buy, not lease, and try to buy the new cars that I got or to drive them for as long as possible. And in previous years, I had an extremely long commute. Fortunately, I don't have that today, but I used to put many, many 
many miles on my car, more than 100 miles a day on most work days. And so I wanted to have it newer so I could drive that car longer and also have the best warranty. And then it would be a matter of how long can that car go? So for example, the Subaru that I owned when I got married was relatively new and I drove it for many years. And then my husband, who had a shorter commute, ended up driving it. And when we sold it for a very low price to a family friend, it had over 250,000 miles on it. And then they ended up using it with family members for another 50 to 70,000 miles. So um, I've had... It would have been awkward if it like went like another three miles and you're like... Well, the $1,000 cost, we probably would have just ripped up the check. But, you know, that's kind of my story is I can like go through and tell you every car I've ever owned because it, I can count them, you know, on one hand plus one or two digits. But everybody has their own story. So I would start with, you know, how do you think about purchasing cars? So it may be like we always lease. It may be that I, and I mean, you've told us a little bit about how you've made your decisions, but everybody's story is different. So I think. Explaining that first versus the planner, financial planner being like, okay, here's what you're going to do with cars. You're going to drive it forever. And well, and I think that reduces the anxiety, right? Oh my gosh, I don't want to do something wrong. Should I lease? Should I buy? Should I buy used? Should I buy new? So I think to get, you know, right off the, right out of the gate to say, there's not a wrong answer here. It's a personal decision. And there are other, there are several ways you can go about it. I mean, you just mentioned that you buy new because you were driving so much. We are the opposite. We buy used, like just off lease cars, but we buy certified pre-owned. So like there's some mm-hmm. sort of warranty, but I drive, I, the office is four minutes from my house and I rarely leave Gross Point. Every once in a while, I'll go to the airport, but for the most part, I'm not putting a ton of miles and I really haven't in since having kids. So that is one thing that factors into that decision. I think, you know, like you said, I might change my mind if I were putting 100,000 miles a day and wanting to have it as long as possible. Now, I will say, like you, we drive our cars for a long time. And so even though my last car, I have a 13-year-old, I kind of purchased that with the thought that in three years, that'll be her car. So I like to hold on to them for a long time and get as much out of them as possible. But as I mentioned, I'm not a car person. So having the latest and greatest is not something that I care so much about. I think that one of the phenomena that we need to address in this episode is that the cost of cars is not only sky high post-pandemic with the world inflated and the supply chain broken, but the cost of cars has gone up and up and up. And of course, you can get into vehicles that are affordable, newer, inventory matters, but also, you know, when you add, start adding on safety features, bells and whistles, computer systems, et cetera, then car payments and the cost of cars are just sky high. And for many years, you know, when we were in a zero interest rate environment, you could basically borrow all the money for free or almost for free if you had good credit in order to buy a car. But that is changing as well as interest rates go up and car sellers can name their price. And so more and more people are walking out the door with more than $1,000 a month car payment, which I used to think about as a significant rent payment. So that is something that's important to recognize. Yeah, I didn't even think of that actually. But yeah, just like home purchases now, you've got the double whammy of the actual cost going up and also the rate of financing. So... What would be the first thing that you recommend people do when they're thinking about, okay, I need to make this purchase as far as figuring out what's the best option for them? 
Well, selfishly, I would have you think ahead. So hopefully you're not just, you know, randomly thinking like, I just don't love my car anymore. I want a new car today. It doesn't feel good. Hopefully there's some planning involved. And if if you do work with a financial planner, then that planning can can include, you know, thinking about your budget, thinking about cash flow, and thinking about where else you're investing. Because when I just mentioned that thousand dollars a month, in June, 13% of car buyers had a car payment of more than a thousand dollars a month. So it's it's more and more of your neighbors and your peers. So I would really be thinking about what the budget, what budget you think it's gonna be. So how much is that going to be? And how much does that change? Like if you had no loan and now you need to make a $700 a month payment, where's that money going to come from? So as opposed to being like, oh my gosh, that's a beautiful car. Maybe I'll just come test drive them and then like leave the lot with them. You're talking about planning in advance for a car purchase and going in there with like an amount that you can afford in advance. Yes. And keep in mind, cars are one of the things that Whereas a lot of your, you know, friends and neighbors' financial lives is kind of under the surface. You can't see how much they're putting in their retirement account. You can't see how much your friends have in an emergency reserve or your neighbors. You can see those shiny new wheels that are sitting in their driveway. And it causes a lot of, you know, kind of fear of missing out when you feel like your um, vehicle is not shiny, new, and fun. So make sure that you're tempering your need to have and must have with want to have and make sure that for the parts that are kind of discretionary that you have the appropriate budget for it. I am not a fun killer. So I want you to have exactly what you want. But again, this is something where you can do anything, but not everything. And if you've got a lot of competing obligations, this car decision is going to be a big deal in your overall personal financial health. Exactly. Yeah, no, I like that advice. Definitely, you know, need versus want, but sometimes wants are okay as long as totally you're in your budget, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Like I want you to have the car that you want. I want you to love it. I want you to drive it with pride. As long as it doesn't mess up your personal finances, as long as you are able to make your payments and not be worried about where the money is going to come from for other things, as long as you're still able to save for retirement. So I just don't want you to walk away with a huge backpack of anxiety along with your new wheels. If you, you know, would roll off the lot with a BMW that you've always dreamed of, I'm going to be like high five as long as your finances are a fit for that. Now, it sounds like, especially with the interest rates where they're at, are you suggesting not financing if possible, like paying cash for cars? Is that something that you do? I have paid for primarily paid for cash for cars as I got to kind of a more mature accumulator stage in life. So certainly I, for most of my 20s and 30s, I definitely needed that car loan in order to make it happen, right? And that absolutely made sense at that point in my life. Later, I was able to build up cash and make cash payments. I'll tell you though, when I bought Um, So I drive a Lexus SUV now and I bought a vehicle just like it four years ago and then got into an unexpected car accident. I bought it new, drove off the lot. And this is one of the ways like buying new can really hurt you. I got into a car accident, no fault of my own, but it was in a hit and run on the highway where 
my car was totaled. I was thankful for buying the one of the safest vehicles that's kind of on the market because I sitting on the side of the road, car sideways, you know, like uh, almost upside down with, you know, one of those OnStar type people asking, Miss Joy, are you okay? But I wasn't expecting to replace that car, right? Like I bought it and thought I would drive it for eight or 10 years. And so I needed a car right away. It was in July and there was very little inventory because that was the beginning of... um, They were getting everything off the lots. They could start their new inventory for the next year at the time and ended up needing to pay... Insurance replaced some, but not all of the value of the car. So that was a lose sum versus a win sum. And I ended up having a small car loan, even though I had a choice of paying cash or not for that difference. And so, you know, it just depends on the circumstances. I could get a very low interest rate. I think, you know, you're, you're not always able to avoid, of course, getting a loan on a car. And sometimes it may be that you're a car buyer typically, but you're a car leaser for now. So it just depends. You need to be flexible about what's the, what are the options. And also you may wait to decide about what you're going to do because sometimes the financing can be part of the deal of what the price of the car is. So listen to all the options. And ideally, if you have a financial planner, you could talk it over with them. What kind of things do you think about as far as leasing versus financing? Like say you don't have the cash, so you need to either finance a purchase or go and lease a car. What what things would you consider? Well, I would definitely think about how often you're going to be driving. So I was never someone who leased cars because like I said, I was putting on so many miles and that's not typically workable for people that are leasing. Even long mileage leases aren't going to let you drive 40, 50,000 miles a year typically. So that's definitely a consideration. And then how quickly do you want to replace that car? So if you want to drive it for a long time, you need to buy the lease later And the affordability of the leases can be adjusted based on market environments. Today, it's hard to get your hands on a car. And so you may need to be flexible or if you have the luxury of of picking when you might, you know, sell your car or, or get a new car, this year might not be the easiest year to decide you want to replace it. So if I'm a listener and I'm thinking, should I lease? Should I purchase? What kind of resources can we provide for those people listening that may need some additional tools? Well, we'll include some links to to some articles that talk about the current car purchasing environment because I think it is a unique time where we've gone through a very low inventory, very few cars in the lots. Don't assume that that is going to be the case forever because just as quickly as everything disappeared, you know, the, it, when computer parts arrive, the economics may be very different and there may be a glut of cars in the market in the future. Who knows? It's difficult to predict, right? But we'll include an article by Detroit personal finance columnist Susan Tompor that talks about how when your lease is coming up for expiration, you may choose not to do a new lease, but you may choose to buy out your lease and continue to drive the same car. And we have a resource guide for should I lease or should I buy with a lot of healthy or like good questions that would be useful to ask. So I think all of those are good resources. But I also think we should talk about, you know, it's not just the economics of rolling off the lot on day one that go into a car buying decision. You also need to consider, you know, the cost of owning a vehicle over time. Okay, interesting. So over time, what are some of the other costs you need to consider? Well, obviously this year with 
gasoline prices going through the roof, you know, a huge spike in the cost of, of fuel in your vehicle. That's one big consideration is what's your mileage on your car? And as American cars have gotten bigger and bigger, even with hybrids, mileage has gone stayed low or gotten even gotten lower because the vehicles are so heavy. So that's definitely a consideration is, you know, how are you going to get around? And, you know, there's a huge difference between a vehicle that gets 40 miles per gallon versus one that gets 15 or 20. So you need to put that into your monthly budget of, especially if you're going from one extreme to another. And then of course, insuring your vehicles. So your credit goes into insurance decisions. Also, you know, the other assets that you own, your driving record, et cetera. And the price of your vehicle is a part of that insurance as well. So if you're going from a, you know, used car that has very low um, replacement costs to something brand new that's $70,000, you're going you're gonna to pay for it in your insurance pocket as well. That's a great idea. So maybe if you're considering a, a few different vehicles, you could even call your insurance agent and find out what the cost would be to insure those. So we could have a whole nother episode about electric vehicles, but you have different fueling considerations or um, charging considerations when it comes to electric vehicles. So you may need to do some home improvements to have a way to charge your new Tesla, right? So your garage may not be equipped initially with the right charging station. So those are also considerations. And in some cases, it's interesting because affordability of electric vehicles is all over the place in terms of what it costs. But in some cases, don't assume that just going to an alternative fuel kind of option is going to save you in your pocketbook. You may have to pay a premium to kind of be kind to the environment. Yes, I have seen that on local posts about like, having somebody install different outlets to accommodate and then certain charging cords aren't included. So that's like an additional purchase, not something you can just go to the hardware store. So those are good things to consider as well. Yeah, again, that goes back to the planning in advance. So you don't, and of course, I know that I've lived through it. There are circumstances where it's just like, okay, I guess we, I need to buy a car this week. I was not expecting that, but whenever, and that goes back to your financial planning. That's why we keep emergency reserves on hand and so many other considerations. But do you know that, you know, conversation partner, not just, you know, kind of the finance guy or gal at the car dealership is not the only, you know, kind of money person you might want to talk to. No, I did actually read something too, mentioning that if you know you're going to finance your vehicle, it may be a good option to look at financing it outside of the dealership or get pre-approved for a loan before you go in there to kind of give you some bargaining power as well as kind of comparing rates that are available. Yeah, and you need to consider, like sometimes a dealership will say, oh, it'll be $2,000 more for 0% financing or something like that. And then you go to the local credit union and they can do a relatively low interest loan or things like that. So yeah, don't wrap the financing decision right into everything, you know, kind of make a decision on the vehicle you're purchasing and then evaluate the options. Also evaluate what they offer you for a trade-in if that is an option versus, you know, it, it, it depends on how much you want to roll up your sleeves and, and wheel and deal, but whether you might choose an alternative option of selling your own car using like a um, a used car, you know, kind of seller versus the dealership. 
Yeah. So going, you know, figuring out your trade-in value, figuring out what you're willing to pay for the vehicle you want, all those things going into some homework before you arrive. Absolutely. And then, you know, you're going to get hit up for a lot of the ways dealerships make money is maintaining your car, the maintenance, the repairs, the, you know, add-on warranties, add-on this, add-on that. So be prepared to kind of be asked if you want to be sold a bunch of different things and and know your answers. I'm not saying you have to say no to everything, but you may end up paying more if you prepay for expenses than you would expect. And it, it just depends. So be astute and don't just be kind of like, you know, overwhelmed and just like feel like you, you'd like a do-over when it comes to those types of decisions. Absolutely. It was probably the biggest marital fight that Jay and I have had over anything. And it was a car purchase, but it was one of those things where he was just looking, right? He was, he was not planning on, we had not had a discussion about buying a new vehicle. And he called me like after the paperwork, he was sent me a text saying, I'm sitting here doing paperwork. I found this great car and it, it is going to be his car. So he does have some, you know, more say, I would say in that. But the funny thing was my first question is what color is the vehicle? Cause I don't know. I was kind of curious. I didn't really care. I was just curious what color it was. And his response was, it looks black at night. <laughs> I'm like, what is this, a riddle? Like, what do you mean it looks black at night? And also, he's colorblind. So he doesn't know if he's wearing gray, green, or blue. Oh my gosh, I didn't know what they... Jeff is also colorblind. So yes, I like to be the person involved in the color decisions. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, I'm not a car person. Buy whatever car you want. I, you know, he works hard. I, it's not even about the cost of the car. But he literally bought a car that looks black at night and it was dark out in the evening that he was there. He comes home and it is like metallic brown. That's all I'm going to say about it. And he got a good deal on it. And it's because nobody wants that. But he eventually, you know, like I said, it, it was a marital fight just because it was like, who buys a car that color? And who goes all the way through the process without even sending a picture like, hey, thinking about buying this car. So... Anyway, Jay, well, I, well, you know, that goes back to your car buying behavior, right? So I tend to make my own car purchase decisions because I was a little bit, um, I was post 30 when I got married and I bought a couple vehicles along the way. And we always had, our finances are like together, but separate, if that makes sense. Like we, both our names are on accounts, but I've got my account and he has his but you know how much it's it's helpful to decide together as a family about how much each of you is involved because of course your your decisions affect each other in many cases or in most cases <laughs> so whether it's from you know I don't want to be a passenger in that vehicle or I don't feel as safe in that vehicle to you know that we can't do the vacation we've talked about because of that vehicle so you know well, I hope, if anything, the takeaways that you have from this conversation are, first of all, know your philosophy and know how it's impacting your finances. Second, have a budget and recognize that it cannot be, you know, you cannot do everything. You can do anything, but not everything. So you may need to, you know, especially as prices have changed and we're in, you know, perhaps a recession, but certainly a little bit of a changing in financial environment, weigh that into your budget. And then third, just kind of have go in the eyes wide open and feel like you're proactively able to be kind of in charge of the situation as you're making what should be a very exciting decision. Nobody wants to rob you of that like luxurious feeling of the new car smell. So enjoy it. 
but do it in a way that won't harm your finances. Absolutely. As always, if you found this episode helpful, please do share it with others who may also find it helpful. We appreciate that. Thank you, Melissa. And we love our listeners. Let us know if there are topics that we should be covering more quickly. I can't believe it took so many episodes for us to tackle this one. Yes. So if there's something on your mind that you want us to cover, let us know. And um, thank you. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter also found on our website.